Fantasy Football fans, this is Jeff Power, Senior Writer for Real-Time Fantasy Sports, and welcome to another edition of the Real-Time Fantasy Sports Podcast. On today's podcast, I'm going to be joined once again by my co-worker, Curtis Guzman. We're going to talk about Week 11, talk about all the fantasy news of this past week as well, and help you get ready for the Week 11 games. Before I do that, though, I did want to mention that our postseason shootout game is available to sign up right now. This is a big-time Postseason contest, you have a chance to win $50,000 for the first place grand prize. It's $125 to enter or $350 for three entries. Sign up now. It's a great contest, a great postseason contest. We pay out 150 spots. You have a great chance to win some money if you sign up. Do it today. Go to rtsports.com, click on the football link at the top of the page, and click on Money Leagues, and then get in the postseason shootout contest at rtsports.com. And now, here's Curtis Guzman of Real-Time Fantasy Sports. Curtis, thanks so much for joining me once again. Of course, Jeff. I'm glad to be here. You enjoying the snow day? We're here in St. Louis, Curtis and I, and we've had some unusual (laughs) snowy weather for November, so we're all kind of snowed in here. Curtis, are you doing all right? Did you get your bread and milk? I know it's just absolutely crazy here in St. Louis uh, when it comes to snow. Yeah, it's... it's, uh... Well, a little earlier than we usually uh, see it, but uh, yeah, it's not too bad. I'm able to get out and get some stuff done still, so I'll take it. That's good. I always enjoy the snow. It makes me think of football. I want to go out and play in the snow and watch some football in the snow, too, so I kind of like it. kind of sets the mood, although it doesn't make for good commuting around this St. Louis area because people don't drive well in the snow here in St. Louis. I don't know if the rest of the world knows this, but man, when it snows here, it's just... Not so. You agree with that, Curtis? <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's the driving, and then it's the everyone thinks the world's ending, and they they raid the grocery stores for bread and milk and water, like they won't be able to leave their house for a few days. But uh, I don't think this one's that bad. Hopefully, it'll probably clear up over the weekend. Exactly. You you share my uh, exact same sentiments there, Curtis. So let's talk about some fantasy football now. Let's talk about the news of the week. I think the big news is the Le'Veon Bell saga. It's finally over. He did not report. He's done for the year. We're seeing him dropped in many leagues that aren't dynasty leagues, which is unusual because I just dropped him in a league for a kicker. Never in a million years thought I would do that, but just did it. Had to pick up a kicker for a bye week, uh, so I had to drop Bell. So for me, I, I want to know what's your thoughts from a fantasy, per- fantasy perspective. What can we learn from this maybe going forward, if, if anything? Yeah, it, it's tough. I don't know that this is going to have any long-term significance. Um, you know, this is a, kind of an unprecedented situation. We we almost saw it uh, earlier, possibly with Odell Beckham Jr. You know, it was definitely a contract dispute, but they were able to resolve that before the season started. Um, I mean, of course, kind of the obvious lesson is it just teaches, teaches you maybe the importance of handcuffing in these particular situations. I'm not a big fan of handcuffing overall typically but you know if there's a question of health or contract situations I think it it does become more important you know people who are smart enough to go and get James Conner and pair him with Le'Veon Bell obviously are doing quite quite all right right now on their fantasy team so but beyond that I don't know that we'll see that I mean I don't even know that this benefits Bell long term I'm sure he'll get a decent contract uh, somewhere next season but uh, there has to be some concern about, you know, taking a full year off of football and, and what that does. And, and does the team want to deal with some of the drama and possible attitude that he brings along? So 
I don't know. I just I don't see it happening too often in the future. Yeah, for me, I've always been kind of leery of players that are holding out or or suspended. It's all about price tag. If you can get them for the right price, I'm still good with it. And like you said, if you get the handcuff, but like you, I'm not big on the handcuff thing anymore, except if it's a good backup that we know can produce in a role uh, when they're thrust into a starting role. So even that, uh, you know, I'm not 100% sold on, you know, the handcuff thing as well. But, you know, for me, it's just it's just about price tag. you got to know what you're getting, and uh, as long as it's the right price, you, I mean, if you take risk on those early-round picks, it's just going gonna, gonna to bite you if they don't pay off. I know a lot of fantasy football comes down to injuries, so if you know a guy's hurt, you're going to avoid him early in drafts. But then, you know, when it comes to this, if you know he's holding out and there's a chance he could miss some games, if you know he's suspended and he's going to miss some games, you got to – weigh that into your decision on when you want to take him. So maybe just be a little more cautious going forward with these early-round picks when it comes to players like Bell who are holding out or a player like Mark Ingram who's hurt as well. So, I mean, who's suspended, I should say. So that's what I'm going to take from it. Probably not change a whole lot. But like you said, I'm not sure if this is going to have any long-standing impact on the fantasy world as we see it. So, Curtis, my next question for you is Tom Brady. You know, he's really been down lately. His fantasy numbers are way down from past years. So I want to know, do you think this is a new norm for Brady? Should we expect this going forward, or do you think that uh, this is just kind of a fluke? Yeah, I think I think it is more of what we should expect going forward. I mean, I, he's certainly still going to be capable of a big game here and there. So I don't, I don't want to get down on him too much, but... Right now, Ring's currently a 14th overall quarterback, averaging under 300 yards a game, um, not having a lot of multi-touchdown performances. So each of his last three weeks has been under 20 fantasy points. I think it comes down to just the Patriots wanting to protect Brady overall. I mean, obviously, he's getting up there in age, probably doesn't have quite the arm strength. There's some question marks on the offensive line. So, um you know, it's been brought up over the past couple of years. Brady is one of the fastest, uh, has one of the fastest releases, you know, from snap to pass. He's averaging under three seconds. And I think that's just a factor of them wanting to protect Brady, not get a lot of hits, and, and also to start developing a better run game. So, again, he's going to be, he's going to have a big game here and there. He's going to get some games with multi-touchdowns, uh, you know, especially if Gronkowski can come back healthy. But, um, you know, for the rest of this year and, and certainly next year, I, I would expect more kind of high to mid number two quarterback status instead of always a number one. Yeah, I kind of agree with your thoughts there, Curtis. I mean, I had my concerns about him heading into the season. I'm kind of kicking myself because I had him ranked outside the top ten at quarterback. I know I was one of the few so-called experts to have him in that range, and I, I ended up caving and moving him up in my rankings, which I'm regretting, but I had my concerns. Offensive line's been revamped. I still am not completely sold on their options at receiver. Obviously, Gordon helps, but Gronk, never healthy, has a hard time staying on the field at this stage of his career. That's a concern for me as well. And like you said, this looks like there's more of an emphasis on the running game with the drafting of Sony Michelle and James White has been great as well. And I don't think you can ever count Brady out to have that huge game, but uh, like you, I think he's going to be more of a you know low-end number one quarterback the rest of this season or high-end number two. I mean, this position is just so crazy deep as well, so that kind of skews skews the look of Brady, in my opinion, too, But just because there's so many great options. But I, I agree with you. I think he's going to be more – this is going to be more the norm for him going forward. 
Another quarterback I want to talk about, uh, Curtis, is Lamar Jackson. So he could get a chance to start this week. I know there's some speculation that even Robert Griffin might get a look uh, if Joe Flacco can't play because of his hip injury, but it just makes more sense to me to give Jackson the look uh, just because he's their future at the position. So if he does end up starting, do you think he has some fantasy value the rest of the year for uh, fantasy teams? I would at least go as far as to say he's worth an add to your roster. I mean, there's no harm. He's obviously an exciting player. Um, if, you know, everything went well, you can certainly see him having, you know, kind of Cam Noon or Russell Wilson like impact with, you know, with his legs. But tempering my expectations overall, I mean, the Ravens are, are still very much alive in the playoff line. So if Joe Flacco gets healthy, then I would assume that he, um, you know, keeps the starter role. He's been at least respectful this season. Um, the fact that the Ravens haven't committed to Lamar Jackson being the clear number two backup is maybe kind of telling of the progress that he's made. I don't know that they're they believe he's there yet. I, I agree with you. I think if Flacco is a no-go, I think they should put Jackson there just to see what they have. But in his college career, he never was over 60, uh, 60% completion. And I think that's a concern because in the NFL, obviously, you're dealing with a lot of tighter passing windows, uh, much tougher defenses. So I, I just think there's a long way to go for Jackson to be efficient. Obviously, you know, teams recognize the threat that he poses with his legs, so they're going to try to make him be as much of a pocket passer as possible. Um, Again, worth a roster ad, but I don't see him having real significant fantasy value probably for the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if you have the roster space and you need some quarterback help, I might give him some consideration. He's a dual threat. He's going to make plays with his legs. He'll take chances down the field. Like you said, not the most accurate passer, though, and obviously the Ravens might have some concerns about him if they're really considering starting Robert Griffin over him. So that's another little bit of a red flag, like you mentioned. But the only thing that makes me hesitate and really not thinking he could have successes as matchups. So if you look at his schedule, in week 13 he plays Atlanta, 14 he plays Kansas City, and 15 he plays Tampa Bay. So those are three big-time matchups for Jackson that have big-time success if he does end up starting. So he could be worth the streaming play in those matchups if he ends up starting, in my view. But I would not have huge expectations for him. But, you know, kind of like Cam Newton, he makes plays with his legs. So adding those rushing yards really is a big factor when it comes to fantasy value with a quarterback like Jackson. So that's where I think it really helps his value. So I think he might be end up worth a couple streaming plays in these great matchups he has down the stretch if he indeed ends up starting for Baltimore. I want to talk about the Seattle running back situation now, Curtis. So all three of these backs, Mike Davis, Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, they've been producing with their chance. It's been a big surprise with me to see the Seahawks rushing game have so much success because it just hasn't been good in recent years. So out of those three, with all of them having success with their chances, who is your guy down the stretch? Uh, you know, I'm sticking with my guns, actually. In, in two of my leagues, I, I drafted Chris Carson in the beginning of the season. And the fact that the Seahawks are committing to him as a starter immediately uh, for tonight's game, I think is indicative to say, you know, we trust Carson the most out of these options. Um, in order, I'd probably rank him Carson, Penny, and then Mike Davis third. You know, Rashad Penny's a popular waiver at this week, um, coming off of his best performance so far in the season with 100 yards and a touchdown. But, um, you know, there's talk with, you know, with their coordinator, Sean Heimer, still adjusting to the NFL game overall, and I just don't expect enough 
consistency out of them, especially with the three-headed monsters they have. I mean, I don't know that any of them get significant carries to be a true number one running back, but if I'm going to pick one, I, I think uh, Chris Carson, as long as he's healthy, he's my safest out of the three. Yeah, that's my my choice, too. I always like to uh, go a different way to give a different perspective, but I have to agree with you here, Curtis. I, I think Carson's a guy. He has 100-yard games, uh, three of his last five that he's played, so he's run well with his chances. He's been the workhorse back when he's been in there, and I'm still not completely sold on Rashad Penny. He did not impress me a ton in college, and I was kind of surprised the Seahawks took him so high, and he was kind of a middling player in the preseason, didn't really – do a whole lot there as well. I think he's just more of a a, a top reserve and more of a you know a, a spot play if he's needed to because because of injury. I don't see Penny as a workhorse back just yet. So I, I still like Carson in that offense, and I actually rank him the same way as you two: Carson, Penny, and and then Davis. So Davis is I, I know we kind of discount him, but he's man he's he's really produced with past few weeks with his chances because he's getting a lot of work in the passing game, but both of us have him ranked third. I guess we can't really overlook him, but that's how we have it, and uh, that's, that's how I feel uh, going forward. So I wanted to talk about an offense with you, Curtis. Tennessee, been kind of a disappointment to start the year, showing some signs of life in recent weeks, though. Is this a trend, or do you think they're going to revert back to early season form in the near future? Yeah, I buy that they're improving but I don't know that it's going to be significant enough to have a lot of impact, at least in fantasy, the fantasy world. I mean, as far as, you know, their offensive weapons, I still only think Deion Moose is probably the only viable fantasy starter you have. Um, the benefit they have is their softer's a little schedule in terms of defense going forward. Um, but on the flip side, I think something that's benefited them is the play of their own defense and getting them in better field position and and Marcus Mariota knowing that he doesn't have to do it all. You know, he can be kind of play it safe and check down and, and not make as many mistakes. So um, proceed with caution. I mean, they're ranked 30th right now in total offense, so there's really not anywhere to go but up. But I'm not um, sold that, you know, what we saw last week against New England, for instance, is, is what we'll continue to see going forward. Yeah, I'm not sure it's the norm either, but I am encouraged by it. Like you said, I think a, a main factor is Mariota's just getting healthy. I know he's had that injury with his arm where he didn't have feeling in his hand, so that obviously has to affect him when he's passing the ball. So he's getting healthy. But the only thing that does concern me is their schedule down the stretch. Not the best. They play the Texans, Jets, Jaguars, Giants, Redskins after this week. So this week's matchup's good against the, Col- against the Colts, but after that, gets a little tougher, so I could see them having some struggles, but I'm encouraged by him. I'm very encouraged by Deion Lewis as well. I like the way he's been getting heavily involved in the offense, and I actually like Corey Davis, too. I know that he's been kind of up and down, much like this offense, but man, he gets a ton of targets, and he's had some extremely tough matchups to start the season. He's still produced pretty well, so I think he could have a strong finish for fantasy teams, so I think this is an offense that's going to come come to life a little bit, maybe not produce like they have the last couple weeks, but I do think it's encouraging with the way they're playing recently, and I think they can continue to play well uh, down the stretch. So let's talk about Week 11 now, Curtis. Let's look at the waiver wire. Who do you have on the waiver wire this week? A couple ads that uh, fantasy owners should consider for their teams. Yeah, uh, first one, uh, the injury to Cooper Cup, uh, torn ACL for the Rams. 
Uh, that hurt me a little bit. I uh, have him in two weeks. So uh, definitely targeting uh, his kind of fill-in, Rams wide receiver Josh Reynolds. Uh, you, look, you know, one of the games he filled in for Cooper Cup, he had a really, really big game, uh, two touchdowns in that game. And just replacing what Cup brought to the table, I mean, Cup was the number 22 wide receiver, averaging over 13 fantasy points a game. Um, so I think, you know, averaging over eight targets as well, Josh Reynolds, you know, he has someone has to take the volume that Cup provided. I think Reynolds is the obvious go-to. You know, I don't know that you saw him into your starting lineup right away, but I think he's definitely um, someone to target in the waiver wire. And then another guy I like is, I think you mentioned him actually last week as Eagles running back Josh Adams, and we had kind of gone back and forth with the Eagles running back situation and, and who's the guy to trust. Well, Adams finally, you know, produced. He had the most touches last week out of any of the tailbacks, and, you know, it's been limited, but he's averaging over five yards a carry, which is great. Um, Doug Peterson confirmed that he's going to get more involved in the offense going forward, so... Again, probably not worth a start, but I, I like him as an add. And my only concern with him really is him getting involved in the passing game. He doesn't. He only had one reception all season, so that's probably my or his limitation in terms of that. So a couple of waiver wire ads for me. I'm going to give you a guy we just talked about recently, Marcus Mariota. Uh, he got dropped in a lot of leagues because of his slow start. He's available in 59% of leagues on our site, but. He's starting to produce, like we mentioned, he has 24 or more points, two straight games. He has multiple touchdowns, two straight, and five total scores during that stretch. He's finally starting to produce like that quarterback that many drafted, either as their backup or a low-end number one to platoon with somebody else. So I think he's worth adding. Could have some good games down the stretch, be a good streaming play. Another guy for me is Bears receiver Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller. Rookie really is starting to get a lot more chances. He's become, he's become the clear number two receiver in that offense. He had his best game of the season last week, caught five passes for 122 yards and a touchdown. He has scores three or five games as well and five receptions each of his last two games, so he's becoming really heavily involved in a pass-first offense. And he remains available in 70% of leagues, which is a little surprising. And I think he'll be at it in a lot of leagues this week after his big game last week, and he could end up being another good guy to stream down the stretch as you make a run for the playoffs. I want to talk about some hot plays for this week, Curtis, maybe some guys that you think are must-starts, a couple guys out there you think are just going to have big weeks this week. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go off on a limb with this one, and I'm actually going to pick uh, two Eagles. So uh, if the Eagles offense suffers, that's not going to look good for me. But um, quarterback Carson Wentz, um, I think he has a very inviting matchup against the Saints defense. Uh, I would expect a shootout given, you know, the just the ability of both the Saints and Eagles offense. Once has been remarkably efficient this season. I mean, he has over 70 uh, completion percentage, 15 to 3 touchdown interception radio uh, ratio, uh, over 300 yards a game with 10 touchdowns in the past four games. So. I think one's really just keeps it rolling. Definitely worth the start in most leagues. And then who I expect to hopefully improve this week is wide receiver Golden Tate. Uh, Golden Tate. So the Saints have given up the most fantasy points to wide receivers this season. Uh, wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey likely to match up with cornerback Marshawn Lattimore from the Saints. That's a tough matchup for Jeffrey. Uh, I know there's concerns with Tate. He only got 18 snaps in his debut against Dallas last week, but I would certainly expect an uptick in playing time as he becomes more comfortable in the offense. And if that's true, then he has a very good matchup. Yeah, I think the Eagles are going to be played a lot in a lot of 
a lot of uh, daily games this week uh, because of that matchup. You, you know, you like to double up on players that are projected to have big games, so I think a lot of Eagles will be played in those games. And I, I think I would definitely use Wentz and Tate, even Alshon Jeffrey. For me, a couple hot plays. I like Tyler Lockett with Seattle. He has touchdowns four or five games. Has, he has scored a touchdown in all but two games this season. Been a surprising red zone target because of his small size, but he keeps getting those looks. Keeps making big big plays. He tied a season high with five receptions last week. He has multiple ca- catches every game this season. Plays the Packers this week. I think that game will be a shootout. I like Lockett's chances for another big game. I'll give you another receiver for my hot play, uh, Kenny Galladay. Marvin Jones is hurting. Golden Tate's gone. This leaves Galladay as the number one receiver for the Lions most likely this week. He showed his potential last week in the expanded role. Looked very good. Has Had a season high of 13 targets. Finished with six receptions for 78 yards and a touchdown. I think he set up for a lot of work again this week against the Panthers. They're just so-so against the pass. Well, I look for Galladay to have a big game in week 11. And now on the flip side of that, Curtis, how about some cold plays for week 11? Maybe guys you want to leave on your bench for this week. Yeah, some of them might be tough, but uh, I do have concerns over his Jaguars running back winner for that. Uh, he finally got back to game action last week. Looked really good. Um, but has a really tough matchup this week against the Steelers, who allowed the third fewest points in terms of fantasy to running back. So, now on the flip side, the Steelers have a great offense, the fourth best offense in the league. Uh, I could see this, you know, considering what the Steelers did last week against the Panthers, kind of dismantled them, ran away with it. Um, if it's a high scoring affair, I think that limits Fournette's opportunities, um, certainly as carries. Leonard Fournette's shown improvement in the passing game, so it's not as if he won't get any touches. But, um, you know, I definitely don't think he's number one. I think he definitely couldn't move down to a low number two running back or possibly a flex day. Just temper expectations. I mean, there are six teams on a bye, so I don't know that you can bench him, but I would certainly be wary of what you'd expect from him. And then the guy you just mentioned is Bears uh, wide receiver Anthony Miller. Again, popular way rad. I totally get it. I agree. It's worth adding pretty much all weeks. Um, you know, three straight games with double-digit fantasy points, and last game, you know, had a big game, 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, just not sure if he's ready for a start this week in particular against the Vikings. Uh, Vikings have a very tough defense. Um, Bears have had a relatively easy schedule in terms of the opposing defenses. Um, over six of their opponents are in the bottom half of the league, so. You know, it's kind of resulted in big numbers for Trubisky and the rest of the Bears players, but um, Vikings are very tough. I would expect Trubisky and Anthony Miller to maybe struggle a little bit in this game. But going forward, again, I do like Miller in the future, but this week is probably a little tough. A couple cold plays for me, Curtis. I I don't do not like Ryan Fitzpatrick this week with the Bucks. I don't know how it's possible, but the guy threw for more than 400 yards last week, but he failed to score a touchdown. The entire offense had over 500 yards of offense but did not score a touchdown, which is just crazy to me. And that was the fourth time this season that Fitzpatrick hit the 400-yard mark passing. But I think he showed some chinks in the armor last week, and it, it even made the coach come out this week and announce that Fitzpatrick will remain the starter over James Winston. So that has to be a little concerning for Fitzpatrick owner as well. And now they play the Giants, who have actually been pretty good against the pass all year. They allow the eighth fewest fantasy points to quarterback. So I think Fitzpatrick's a little bit of a question mark. Maybe if he struggles again, they might go back to Jameis Winston. So 
I might just steer clear of him this week despite his potential for the big game. Another cold play for me is uh, Colts receiver T.Y. Hilton. He has cooled some in recent weeks. He has fewer than 40 yards, two of three games. His targets are also way down. He hasn't had double-digit targets in a game since week three. So he has not been getting the looks as he did earlier in the year. He's been hurt a little bit, and maybe that's affecting his play right now. So I might steer clear of him uh, for this week and week 11 because he plays the Titans as well. They're sixth overall against the pass. They allow just 16.8 points per game. I know the Colts have produced no matter the matchup offensively, but I'm not huge on Hilton in this one, and if you have better options, I would go with them. So how about some sleeper options now, Curtis, for Week 11? Maybe some guys flying under the radar you think that have big weeks in Week 11. Yeah, first guy, Jaguars wide receiver, D.D. Westbrook. Um, hasn't had any huge games this season, but he is the most consistent wide receiver in Jacksonville. He averages over 12 fantasy points a game. Uh, mentioned Fournette being a possible cold play because uh, of the Steelers' defense against the run, but the Steelers aren't great in the past, and they actually allow the 10th most points to fantasy wide receivers. So um, if it does go how I kind of see it with it being a shootout, that could mean more opportunity for Westbrook, more targets. I think he's a solid flex play. Again, I mentioned six teams on a bye, so um, if you're looking to plug in someone temporarily, he could could be worth a look. And then another guy is Ravens wide receiver Willie Sneed. Uh, similar to Westbrook, kind of a high floor, consistent player, and he leads the team in targets currently, averaging about seven or eight a game. Um, typically getting you at least 50 yards too. So inviting matchup this week against the Bengals. Bengals just fired their D coordinator, um, kind of over the news with Martin Lewis taking over the play calling. So giving up the third most fantasy points to receivers, I think Willie Sneak could be a solid plug and play this week as well. Yeah, I think you and I are thinking along the same wavelength here, Curtis, because I played Bortles on my sleeper list this week. I liked his chances for a big game. I think the return of Leonard Fournette, you, you talked about already, was just a positive for the entire Jaguars offense, so including Bortles, who had one of his better games of the season last week and Fournette's first game back. Bortles was 26 of 38 for 320 yards and two touchdowns, so that's encouraging. Bortles has enjoyed some big games throughout the year as well. He has four 300-yard games. I think he's capable of big things in this offense when he gets his chances, and he could throw off against Pittsburgh, who, like you mentioned, is not great against the pass. They allow the seventh most fantasy points to quarterbacks. So, like you said, six teams on a bye. Bortles could be a good streaming play for fantasy teams in Week 11. Another sleeper for me is uh, Radar's running back, Jalen Rashard. Rashard gets next to no work running the ball, but uh, don't fear. He gets a ton of work in the passing game. He has double-digit fantasy points, four or five games, and at least four receptions all five of those games. So he gets a lot of work as a receiver in this offense. They like to dump the ball off to him, uh, get him the ball in space. He makes plays in the passing game. Plays the Cardinals this week, a team that allows the fourth most fantasy points to running back. So I think Richard, again, with a lot of teams on a bind, some injury situations, could be a good flex play in week 11. Curtis, great stuff this week. Appreciate you coming on with me once again, and good luck in all your games in week 11. No problem. Same to you, Jeff. Glad to talk. That was Curtis Guzman. He's a co-worker of mine here at Real-Time Fantasy Sports. I'm Jeff Powers, senior writer at Real-Time Fantasy Sports. And I want to thank you for listening to the Real-Time Fantasy Sports podcast this week. And good luck in all your games. And have a great week.